I'm excited uh, for today. Today we are in part two of our series, To Be Continued. Part two of our To Be Continued series. And throughout this series, uh, we're going through the book of Acts, and we're looking at the early church. And specifically, we're looking at the things that the early church did that we need to continue. The things that need to be continued. Last week, we looked at uh, discipleship, and really we dove into the life of Peter. How Peter's life, it had his ups and it had its downs. It's all right, y'all. It's, it's not our gym. We rented out. The water's going to be okay up here. All right, we got this, all right? All right, we got this. Hey, but last week we looked at discipleship and how Peter's life had some ups and his life had some downs. But at the end of the day, what Peter did is he kept pursuing an intimate relationship with Jesus. And as he continued to pursue Jesus, it changed him. And people recognized Peter, not, not just as Peter, but they recognized Peter as a man who had been with Jesus. May that be said about us, that we are men and women that have been with Jesus. Last week, uh, everybody got one of these, these little scripture journals uh, to read the book of Acts. This series is four weeks long. Uh, the, that's 28 days. Uh, there are 28 chapters in the book of Acts. That's a math check out, 28. That's a day, a chapter a day, all right? That would work, all right? This little book that comes out to be roughly three pages a day. We gave those to everybody, said, hey, over this series, read the book of Acts. How we doing? I don't see any smiles, right? Hey, are you sticking with it? Chapter six, all right? Hey, I, I like it. Hey, if you're on track, keep going. If you've fallen behind, let me, I gotta speak to you pastorally for a minute, all right? Give yourself some grace. Keep going, right? There's no shame, no condemnation. Hey, get back on the wagon. Let's do this. If you haven't even started yet, you can do it, right? Don't let the enemy win by not getting into the word. It doesn't have to be perfect. You just need to keep showing up. Just keep showing up. The point is that you're getting into the word, that we are getting into his word uh, together. And that's really one of the things the early church did incredibly well. They were together. They were in community. No one was alone. And before we get into uh, what God's Word has to say about community and the early church, how they did community, how they were together, let's, let's get our hearts ready, okay? Let's get our hearts ready. Right, let's put our, put our hands out. Let's put our palms up. Close our eyes. Just a posture of surrender. Take a deep breath. And remember that God is just as near as the air you're breathing. God, today, would you guide us closer to you? Would you help our minds put away the frustrations of this past week? Help us to put away the distractions from the coming week. We want to fully focus on you. We come empty with, with nothing to offer but surrender. Fill us up as only you can. Holy Spirit, move in here today with great power. We believe that in advance. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Hey, one of the, the overarching themes for the early church is that they were all in for the kingdom. That their lives reflected a Jesus over everything attitude. Last week we saw that with discipleship, right? They were committed to growing as Jesus followers. 
And today we're gonna be looking at community. And I think community goes right along with discipleship. It's one of the most important components of a Jesus follower is the community you surround yourself with. Uh, your, your growth, your spiritual growth can be uh, on steroids or it can be stunted by the community you surround yourself with. The community you're around can be a positive or a negative. I don't know if you've ever thought about it that way. Everybody eyes up here. All right. There is a coffee spill up front. We are going to make it, right? Just let it ride. Eyes up here. Like, don't let the enemy distract you by somebody spilling their coffee. We're going to be just fine, all right? We are going to be okay. Just slide down to the end of the road. That water can stay. We're good, all right? You up here? We good? We good? All right. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. All right. Does anybody have a green thumb? Raise your hand. You got a green thumb. You can make anything grow. Every plant you have in your house and outside is thriving and growing, right? One person. Hey, who got that black thumb, all right? Everything dies. Both hands straight up, all right? Nothing lives. At our house, we got a green thumb for weeds and we got a black thumb for everything else, right? It, it's not what we want. If we want it to die, we cannot get rid of it. Uh, if we want it to grow, it inevitably dies. And one time we were at someone's house talking about this fact that we, we can't get the things we want to live to live and we can't get the things we want to die to die. Uh, and it was actually years ago after a, a community group and the host where we were at, they said, here, take this. They take this little plant they have and they take a branch off and say, hey, this is native to Oklahoma. Just put it about anywhere and it's going to thrive. She broke off this piece and we planted it in our front flower bed and it actually grew big enough that we did it and we took a piece off, put it next to it and we got two of them right next to each other. These things, they're growing like crazy and they're in the same little flower bed uh, and so I was like, hey man, this thing's growing, hey, this thing's living. It may not be the prettiest, but guess what? It's, it's alive, that's a good thing. And so we decided to put some of that in our backyard. Now, where we had it in the front yard, where we had it in the backyard, the conditions were basically the same, right? Uh, there was the same uh, sunlight, water, uh, everything's the same as the front. The ones we planted in the backyard never got far. They really struggled in our backyard uh, until it just died and it was like, well, I guess that is what it is, it's dead. Why? Why would it thrive in the front and die in the back? Same sun, water, and shade. And at the same time, at that, at that time rather, uh, we had two dogs and they would inevitably, those ones in the back, they would just trample the plants over and over. They'd run through the flower bed, they'd run over them, uh, and, and it would never work. They had the same water, had the same sun, same everything, same soil basically, but one of them had people trampling over them. You might be looking at your life saying, why is this working for others and not for me? Uh, I'm praying, I'm in the word, and I know that's what other people say, it's working for them, but I'm not seeing the life change that I want to see in my life. I'm doing the same things that they are, but it's not working for me. It's possible that there's nothing wrong with what you're doing and what you're pursuing. But maybe the issue, the thing that keeps you from growing is the environment you're in, the people you've surrounded yourself with. Maybe the faith you're trying to grow is getting trampled by those around you. And that's why the community you surround yourself with is so important. It's so important uh, because we need to surround ourselves uh, with the people that have the same values as we do. Now, hopping back to that, that plant analogy, that plant that's in the back, uh, could I have got that plant to survive without it getting trampled? I, I think I probably could have, right? It would have been a lot more work to protect it. I would have needed much greater boundaries so that it could survive. 
when it comes to you and it comes to your faith, God doesn't want your faith to survive. He wants you, he wants your journey, he wants your walk with Jesus not to survive, he wants it to thrive. And I am convinced that the community you surround yourself with is a huge part of that equation. It can either stunt your growth or it can be put your growth on steroids. And I'm convinced uh, that it's a huge part of the equation. Now, hey, here's the, I'm not here to convince you of my convictions. I'm not the authority because I got a mic. I'm here to uh, show you what God has given us in his word. So, hey, if you've got your book, you can open to Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 42. All right, that's uh, page 14. If you've got your little scripture journals, uh, they're going to have them up here on the screen with me as well. But I'm going to read them from right here, all right? Let's throw them up here. Acts 2, 42. All right. Here we go. Listen to this, uh, the subtitle for the title for this paragraph here. This passage says, it says, the believers form a community. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over, all of, came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. We're going to unpack that next week. So if you're like, what's that about? Come next week. We'll, we'll talk about it. And all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they had. They sold their properties and possessions and shared money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They, they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. All right, we're going we're to read another passage. It's uh, just a few pages over on, on 24, but it's a 4 verses 32 through 35. And this is talking about the believers sharing with one another. It says, all the believers were united in heart and mind. They felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's great blessing upon them all. There were, I want you to just catch the part, there were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. I just want to focus on there were no needy people among them. All throughout the book of Acts, what you see for believers is that it wasn't about me. It wasn't how, what can I do for myself to increase my kingdom. It's not about me, it's about we. They weren't living for themselves, they were living for Jesus and they were serving those around them. And the first thing that jumped off the, the page to me as I read that passage, and it's something you see over and over again in the book of Acts, it says, the believers gathered together daily. It says, they met daily. Most of us would like for an hour on Sundays to be enough, right? Uh, you got all the schedules. And I, I can I just imagine as you guys are sitting there thinking, well, I can't do daily my schedule is already busy. I got, I got work. I got practice for the kids. I got to mow the yard. I want to get some rest. I just want to have an off day. Hey, ditto, right? And, and hear me on all those things. I got work. I got to get the kids to practice. I got basketball practice from 2 to 4 today, all right? All right? And I'm the one who did that. Why am I doing that on Sundays? That's a busy day for me. I got to go home. I got to mow the yard. And I would like to get some rest. Can I get an amen? You guys got to do those things, right? 
You've got work, you've got the practice, you've got the stuff that needs to be done. You do need to get rest. Every one of those things, like totally legitimate things. The reason when we hear that they gather daily and we think burden, like a heavy burden, something we can't handle, uh, when you think of gathering with other believers, because when you think of that, just the culture we grow in, you probably think it always has to be, and this is something that should be a part of it, but it always has to be a, a Bible study where somebody's opening the word and there's a teacher and they're explaining it to you and you're sitting there going, mm, that's good, and you're writing notes. Like That's what you're thinking that the, that has to be when you gather. But according to uh, the book of Acts, the early church did so much more than just study the word together. They did do that. But they met daily, and that wasn't the only thing they did. It says they met for a multitude of reasons. Uh, I kind of highlighted some here. It says they met to teach. Now that happened. Uh, to pray, to encourage. It says they met the needs of one another. Uh, they would eat together, all right? You might call that fellowship. Can I get an amen on eating together? What's up? Hey. Uh, they would share the Lord's Supper together. They'd do communion. And then they would worship. Do you think you could do one of these things daily with other believers? If your mind's like mine, when I say, can you do one of these things daily with believers, you, you automatically say, hey, uh, I can't teach, I can't play the guitar, so I can't teach, but can't worship, and I can't take the Lord's Supper. Like, that's probably what you think, all right? So, hey, let's just take those off the table, although I think we could probably figure out ways to make those happen, all right? Let's shift to just the way we think as operating as a community of believers, and let's go through those. Could you pray with someone every day? You bet. Uh, did you know that when you pray, you can pray with your eyes open, you can pray with your eyes closed, you can pray with somebody who's not even in the same room with you, right? Hey, we could FaceTime someone, you could call someone, you could text someone. Um, just like, I think this was Providence, uh, this morning I got a text from a retired pastor and he said, I'm praying for you, Logan. He, he wrote me a prayer and I got the text at like 9, 12 this morning, right? Was I sitting there going, that prayer don't count. He wasn't here with me. No, that encouraged me this morning, that prayer. Uh, you could send a prayer as a text to someone uh, so that they know you're praying for them. Absolutely, you should do that. Uh, and just, just a side note here, uh, when someone needs prayer, don't pray for them, pray with them. I'll pray for you. Uh, we don't want to pray for people, right? We want to pray with people. So when someone shares a request, say, I'll be praying for that. No, hey, pray for them right then. Pray with them that moment. It says they, they prayed for someone, or they prayed for with each other. Can you pray with someone every day? Can you do that? Yeah, you, you guys got that. You can do that. Uh, then it says the next thing, that they offered encouragement. Uh, what would it take for you to offer a word of encouragement to someone, right? It's basically the same thing, right? It could be the people around you. You could do that face-to-face. -face. You, could, you could call. You could text. You could email a word of encouragement to someone. And it wouldn't take, like, if we're just being honest, if you knew someone that you just was on your heart, you're like, I need to encourage them, you could do that in under 10 minutes, right? Like, I, and I'm rounding up, right? It probably wouldn't take you 10 minutes to encourage someone. And what might take you five to 10 minutes to just offer a word of encouragement to someone to fill them up, that little investment of you could change somebody else's day have you ever had that where somebody says a, a word fitly spoken, all right, right to you, it just, it fits perfectly, and it changes your outlook. You feel like a new person. Have you ever been there? Uh, we need to be that for others. Where we're encouraging them even in just the simple things. Got to encourage others. Uh, the next one, it says they, they met the needs. They, they meet the needs of one another. They were serving someone. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you see uh, a need for someone, 
uh, that seemingly no one else sees. I don't know if you've ever been there. Like, man, that kid, like, uh, like just, this is not my notes, but like, just come to me right now. Like, we were in uh, Bible college. There was this kid. We were at, uh, oh, my goodness, Five Guys, right? You know, they got all the peanuts there that are just, like, in the thing. You can go get all the peanuts. And this young kid came in, uh, maybe 18, 19, in that range. Uh, and he sits down and starts eating the peanuts, and I'm in Bible college. Hey, I'm broke. That's like stamped on my head. Bible college student, ain't got no money. Hey, Sam's Club salary, killing it, right? Cashier. Uh, I don't really have any money. And I noticed this kid, he's just eating the peanuts. And it was like, you could afford 10 bucks to get him like a meal from Five Guys or whatever it was. And I just kind of hesitated. I was like, I don't have any money. I don't have to do this. I don't know. And uh, I didn't take that step. And uh, as I'm sitting there, I'm I'm uh, sitting there with uh, my wife, and I don't, I don't share this to her. Uh, I just kind of, in, in my spirit, I'm feeling this. I should have done this. And then I see another family come up. I see this dad. He's a little old. He puts his hand on this kid. And start, they start talking. Yeah. And then he walks him up, and then he goes and he gets this kid uh, a burger. He, he meets that need. Uh, and I'm thankful that that kid had his needs met. But I'm also sitting there thinking, that was my opportunity to bless. And God said, if, if you're not going to take that step, I'm going to let somebody else do the blessing. If God puts something where you say, I see this need that needs to be met, and it seems like nobody else does, don't wait. Go and meet that need. Whether that's you going by yourself or you say, hey, I need some help to meet this need. Would you help me do that? Let's do it. Now, some of you guys, you're thinking back, you're like, hey, I don't want to agree with you because I heard that part where it said they sold their houses and property to meet the needs of others. That make anybody else feel a little, huh, I don't know about this. You don't want to hear that. I ain't selling the house. I think the point, most Bible commentators agree, it's talking about people with an abundance. People that had uh, plenty to give. They maybe had multiple houses or maybe they had an extravagant house. The principle is just simple. Here's what we see here. Uh, when God blessed you, you are to be a blessing to others. You are blessed to be a blessing. And it doesn't have to be anything radical to meet the needs of the people around you. Uh, what if it's buying a package of diapers to a family who just had a newborn? Say, oh, they don't need it. Well, hey, everybody that's had kids, right? you can never have enough diapers, right? It's a blessing, right? It's a good thing. Uh, what if it's mowing the lawn for someone who's just a little older? Or maybe they've had surgery, maybe they can't do it. What if it's painting the house with someone when they move into a new house? It's not about what the act is. It's about serving others and meeting their needs. Last one from that list, it says uh, they ate together. They broke bread together. Like they got together with other believers and they did this very spiritual thing. They ate food together. That sound like a spiritual thing? That they were at the table together. But uh, I want you to think of this. If I was to ask you, when was the last time you had a meal with someone from church, someone in the spiritual community, and then I was to ask that again, when was the last time you had a meal with someone from the church that maybe you don't share a last name with, all right, your spouse, your family, that doesn't count, when was the last time you had a meal with somebody from church? And when we got food trucks out front, that don't count, all right, and you enjoyed their company over a meal, when was the last time that happened? It says they prayed together, they encouraged one another, they served each other, and they ate together. They ate together. And in verse 44, uh, it says, all the believers met together in one place and they shared everything they had. They shared everything they had. 
That was literally uh, finances, food, friendship. Uh, and I just want to make it real easy for you guys because that's kind of just how I'm wired. Uh, they were a family. The church, the early church, they were a family. The church is supposed to be a family of believers. Why do you think it says brothers and sisters in the Bible when it's talking about fellow believers? Why does it say brothers and sisters? It's because of this. We share the same dad. Come on. We share the same dad. Our father in heaven. Our father. We are a family. And, and when we look at it like that, things start to get a little uh, real for us. We, we are in the same family. And I want to separate those two so we can see how we behave differently in those two groups. If I, just look at my, if I was to look at my, my literal, physical, biological family, uh, when my kids need something, when they need something to drink, I get them a drink, right? I don't ask uh, questions about, well, did you listen to mom? Did you do this? If my kids are hungry or thirsty, what am I going to do? I'm going to get them food and I'm going to get them drink. I'm not counting the cost to serve my family food. There's a need that's going to be met. It's not when I have extra, I'm going to do that. My family is going to be taken care of. Well, when my brother, he, he needs help moving, I'm going to help him move, right? It's already, the process has already started, all right? I'm already doing it, all right? When my mom needs tech support, and I'm on the phone saying, no, it doesn't work like that. That's not how it goes. No, not that button. I'm still there, right? I don't hang up. I'm there. What color is it? No, not, you know, anyways. Even if, let me back up, even when, because we're all fallen, uh, sinful people, nobody's perfect, even when my family frustrates me, I'm going to keep going and showing up and supporting them. Why? Because no matter what happens, that's my family. I'm not counting the cost to serve them. I willingly share whatever I can, everything I can to help my family. And that's a two-way street, right? Because that's what a family does. Why don't we think the same way when it comes to our family of faith? Even though there will be frustrations, uh, uh, you don't leave them. Instead of when the, when the conflicts happen, when, when the trying times come, you don't push away from the table. You lean in. You work through it. How would your life look different if you lived in a faith community that lived that out, right? Where we said, we're a family. You have a need. I, I want to meet that need for you. Oh, I see a need over there. I'm going to go meet that need. It will be a blessing, right, to have people praying for you to have people encouraging, to have people eating with you, to have people serving you. That would be a blessing. Now imagine you, you get to create that community, you get to create that environment by being that for someone else. Instead of being blessed, you get to be a blessing. God has situated people all around you. And some of them are to be a blessing to you. I believe it's always a two-way street. And others are there for you to bless. When you are in a community that's living out their faith the way the early church did, it changes everything because it's not a gathering for one hour on Sunday. It's a family that celebrates on Sundays and then they go and do all those things throughout the week. 
It's so much more than one day. It changes everything. That first passage we read, in verse 20, 47, it says this. All the while, all the while praising God, right, they're giving up to God, and enjoying the goodwill of the people, and each day, remember it said they met daily, it said they did these things daily. Each day, the Lord, not them, each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved as they lived out their faith daily, praising God and enjoying the goodwill of people, the Lord added daily to the people who were being saved. Uh, to put it in our earthly terms, uh, this is like our heavenly father thought, man, the kids are being so good, I'd love to have some more of them, right? Like he is growing the family. That's what happens when we do things God's way. God's way isn't forceful, it isn't fearful. It says they willingly shared with others. And when they did this, no one was in need. I guess what I'm trying to say is that a community of believers living out their faith in that way that's something others want to have. That's how God is using his people to grow his church. That's so much more than one hour on Sunday. So much more. Uh, God used the early church living this way to daily add men and women to the family. Who's in your community? Who's part of your spiritual family? Who have you let in at that level? Are you surrounding yourself in an environment where your faith can thrive? Have you situated yourself uh, in an environment where your faith struggles? It feels like it's constantly being trampled. I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. Uh, whatever community you find yourself in, uh, this is both bad news and good news depending on where you're at. You put yourself in that community. You put yourself there. If it's a good situation, hey, you put yourself in that community. You put those people around you, whether intentionally or unintentionally. You did it. Some of y'all are thinking, hey, I'm doing all right. Some of you guys are thinking, man, I suck. All right, this is bad news. The good news, regardless of where you're at, you have the ability to change the community that you're planted in. And that might sound like a heavy weight to carry, to, to uproot your life, to change the environment you live in, and then be planted again. You can't do that alone. You can't. You need help. If you're sitting there saying, I'm not in the right place, I don't have the right community around me, my, my faith is uh, surviving barely, but it's not thriving, I want it to be in a place that's thriving, you can't fix that alone. You, you, you have the ability to do it, but you need help. The first place you need to look, right out here as we're talking about community, I want you to start looking around this room. There are people all around you, and they aren't perfect, right? I ain't perfect, certainly not me. But they will come alongside you and do their best to walk with you as you go through this change of putting yourself, surrounding yourself in the right community. Secondly, and even more powerfully, if you're a believer, you are never alone because you have the spirit of the living God inside of you. And if you desire a lasting change in your life, you need to seek God to move in your life. 
to let the Holy Spirit guide you to the people you need in the community around you, the people that you need to surround you. We can't do it alone. We have each other, and we need to help each other. It says no needs among them. But we need God, too. He's our Father. He's the one who holds this family together. It's not us. We have to remember that. We have to seek God to move in our lives, to surround ourselves with the community that's going to make our faith thrive, not just get by. Now, let's take a moment and let's just examine ourselves. Let's, let's pray 